I will be the first to admit it's, it is amazing to think what we just simply take for granted, what we uh, just have grown up and uh, almost like the air we, we breathe, we just uh, just assume it's always going to be there. And, and I found myself yesterday having this thought of why did John the Baptist baptize in the Jordan River? Why was he in the, the Judean desert near the Jordan River? After all, you think uh, his ministry would have been better suited in Jerusalem. Uh, there, there are a couple of pools that he could have used. A, a pool of Bethesda on the north side is closer to the sheep pool. Maybe that's why. Maybe it was too close to the sheep and the be- bleeding of all these sheep. But on the south side, there was a pool of Siloam as well that he could have easily baptized right in the center of town to make it nice and easy for people to, to come and to, to find him and to acknowledge your sinfulness. But I think it is what the River Jordan represented to the Jewish people and what it ought to mean for them. First, we need that reflection. Usually when we talk about the crossing of, uh, or the, the parting, we think immediately of the Red Sea. We'll hear that, of course, as we do every year uh, at the Easter Vigil, how uh, Moses raised his hands, prayed to God, and God parted the, the sea, how it stood uh, like a wall to their left and to their right, and they passed through dry shod, all those wonderful miracle, wonderful thing in the song that broke out after uh, horse and rider is cast into the sea. But there was another parting that we might easily forget some 40 years later as the people of Israel were crossing from the desert into the promised land, they had to cross the Jordan River. And as the ark crossed that river, the waters stood still. Not maybe as powerful, not maybe as iconic as uh, the uh, parting of the Red Sea was, but just as meaningful to the Jewish people. Because this finally marked their final passage from slavery into true freedom. From wandering in the desert into their identity as uh, people of the land, people who uh, took over that land, that promised land. There happened to be another parting too as Elijah was about to part from this world. He struck the waters with the mantle and walked across dry shod. But the waters of the Jordan, even more so, were just a reminder of God's providence. How at that moment, as they crossed uh, again from the Exodus, they crossed having had God provide for them. Now God provided the land, not with manna and quail, but now with all the resources of the land. A land flowing with milk and honey, as we uh, so often might hear. That God was going to provide. And so I think St. John the Baptist understood all of that and understood something else, something that we might not fully understand unless we've been on it. But that is the idea of a pilgrimage. The Jewish people had pilgrimages, but their pilgrimage, uh, three times a year they were required to go in pilgrimage to the temple, to Israel, to Jerusalem, uh, Passover and see if I can name them all, uh, Pentecost and uh, Feast of Booths, and they would gather. And it's something of the pilgrimage, the journey itself, that made 
made it special. But not only that, but where they were going and what they were going to do when they got there. In the modern age, we have ideas of pilgrimages, and and I'll I'll admit that I'm I'm toying with, in the back of my mind, of planning a pilgrimage to the Holy Land either next year or the year after. I keep throwing it back and back and back. But there's a difference between being a pilgrim and being a tourist. A tourist just goes to see the sights and maybe enter into uh, some of the cultural different things, but not really to have an experience. But a pilgrim goes not primarily to see the sights, but to be there where something important happened and to enter into that mystery, enter into that whatever it was that happened there. To go deeper. See, a pilgrim not only goes on a journey, a physical journey, but goes on a journey interiorly too. That's why I think St. John the Baptist could stand and call everyone to repentance. That word is metanoia. It it literally means change of mind, but so often in our culture, a change of mind means, well, I was going to have one thing, but I decided to do it, have another. I was going to go to a movie, but I decided to go uh, fishing instead, or whatever it is. Something shallow. But this change of mind is not just a change of an idea, but change of the worldview, how we even see the world. This is a pilgrimage, indeed, interiorly. A pilgrimage to the heart of who we are, to to the heart of where God wants to dwell. And John the Baptist calling them to repentance. And the people coming out and identifying themselves as sinners, identifying themselves as ones who need this repentance, this new worldview, to see things differently. But then he sees the Sadducees and the Pharisees, Talk about making friends, huh? You brood of vipers. There's, there's very few things you can call somebody that are worse than calling somebody a brood of vipers. You brood of vipers. Who told you to escape the coming wrath? And it, as I reflected on this, I couldn't help but think, maybe he was calling them, you're here as only tourists. You're only here to see what is happening, maybe enter the cultural thing, but you're not here about conversion. You're not here about transformation. You're here just to watch. Change your lives. Produce the fruit. Do something. And he's telling them, don't rely just simply on the fact that you're children of Abraham. God can raise up children from Abraham. Think about that. That line, that's a rather bold line, right? God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Elsewhere, I believe it's in Matthew's Gospel, we hear uh, the apostle or the people coming to the apostles uh, at that Palm Sunday as people are crying, Hosanna, blessed he who comes. Tell your, your master to t- or tell, tell your crowds to be quiet. And Jesus says, I tell you, if they do not cry out, the stones will. He's, John the Baptist is calling them to repentance, which is more than just a change of mind, a change of worldview, but a worldview that is now active, that is active in producing fruit, active in making a difference. And this is what the Lord calls us to as well. And if John the Baptist were here standing before us, he, he would tell us too, yes, we don't have to go to the Jordan River, perhaps thank God, 
We don't have to go on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem or Rome or Fatima or any of these other famous places where the Blessed Mother appeared or Jesus performed his ministry or the ministry of the apostles. But we are called to go on pilgrimage, to go to the interior of our hearts, to find their transformation. We can't just simply say, well, I'm Catholic. I was baptized. I was confirmed. So I don't have to do anything else because you know, I got that credential. Even this morning I read record numbers in Belgium are getting unbaptized, whatever that means. A re- rejection of what baptism means. And I have to admit, I guess, well, if they don't want to live out their baptism, maybe that's a good solution, but you can't undo what was done and baptism imparts an indelible seal, but it's not enough just to say I was baptized. Now, how do we produce the fruit? The fruit that the Lord requires is internal, is a change of heart, change of mind, a change of worldview, a change in how we treat one another. If we want an image of what that kingdom will look like, we have no further to look than today's first reading. It's a reading that we had on Tuesday or Wednesday at our daily Mass. I think it was Tuesday. And I, I can't help but laugh about some of the images. Did you catch that? The lion shall eat hay with the ox. Lions do not eat grass. They're not herbivores at all. They're not even omnivores. They're carnivorous. All they do is eat flesh. Or the wolf is the guest of the lamb. Now I might say facetiously, yes, uh, wolves like to have lots of lamb for their supper. I mean at supper. It's an image that there's peace. A child shall lay his hand on the adder's lair. The, the, the baby shall play with the cobras. This is peace, profound peace. It's a peace that is beyond our understanding yet in this world, but a peace that needs to be reside in our hearts. Those, perhaps, are the fruits. And a heart that has peace in the interior is a heart that expresses peace in the exterior. Maybe that's the fruit that the Lord is inviting us to. But all the same, the Lord calls us to repentance. And not just to simply say, well, it happened once, but again and again and again. And this repentance, so often we hear this and say, well, I'm a good person. Well, that's true. Most of us are good people. All of us. We're here, right? But the Lord wants more. He doesn't want us just to be good people. He wants us to be saints. And that means constant reformation. It means we're constantly renewing our minds, as St. Paul tells us, to be constantly about the transformation of our mind because this world creeps in so much, so easily. We need to take this pilgrimage. Let John the Baptist be our tour guide this day, more than a tour guide. Let him be the one who leads the pilgrimage, who invites us to repent, to see the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven is at hand, to hear his voice calling us to change and to live differently.